What up, guys? Your boy Quake, and I'm back with a brand new episode of the Diverse Mentality Podcast, number 47, man. And I got to address the elephant in the room for those that know and for those that don't know. Sean Wayne is no longer part of the podcast. And I know some people were upset. Some people had mixed feelings. Um, but I have to address this just because, you know, address it, talk because you fans deserve that. I have to talk about it and move on from it. And um, yeah, let me just get into it. Um, basically, me and Sean just disagreed on the day-to-day -day operations. And really, that's it. Without getting to personal details, out of respect for Sean, out of respect for me, I hope you fans understand. But just the day-to-day -day operations, we weren't agreeing. And I've been thinking about, you know, what I'm going to do. You know, before I would let Sean go, I actually thought about it for two weeks. Um, and I was thinking, you know, how can we make these things work? But it just wasn't working. And uh, I wish nothing but the best for Sean. You know, Sean taking out time out of his life to do this for the past five months, six months, trying it with me. Um, I really respect that. I appreciate that a lot. I wish him nothing but the best and anything that he pursues down the line. And he's always had my number, my line. Whenever he needed something, I would always pick up. So I'm always there for him. Uh, but just, you know, sometimes when, you, when you're great friends with somebody, you go into business with them, it just doesn't work. And that's all it was. It just didn't work. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, that happens every day. Um, that's why some people say, say, don't go into business with your friends because, you know, it could end in a bad way or, you know, you could stop being friends with that person. But luckily on our terms, it didn't end in a bad way. It was very respectful. We tried it out, like I said, for five, six months and it just is what it is. There's nothing, nothing wrong with that. And I hope you fans understand that, um, you know, it was a hard decision on my end to make. It took me a lot of time, a lot of thinking, a lot of details that I was looking into and just, you know, hoping that it would work, but you know, things happen and that's, that's fine. That's life. And this is only season one. So of course we're going to have ups and downs and different things that I'm trying to figure out to try because this, this podcast realm is something new for me. I'm used to YouTube. I'm used to blogging. I'm used to all that. But for podcasting, it's something totally new, you know, and behind the scenes dealing with like artists and stuff too is another new thing for me. So yeah, just, it didn't work out. Like I said, and Sean, I really appreciate you once again. And you fans got to kind of look at it, you know, in this kind of way, right? Um, this is my baby. You know, I've been working. This is this business that you guys are seeing, Diverse Mentality. I've been working on since I was 12 years old. Let that sink in. That's more than half of my life. I'm 26 now. From 12 to 26, more than half of my life, I've been breathing, shitting, sleeping this all day, 24-7. So... Obviously, I'm going to do what's best for the business. It's not has nothing to do with personal feelings. Uh, has nothing to do with anything like that. It's just strictly business. And I'm not referring to Sean when I'm talking about this. I'm just saying for my business, it's and that's how everybody should do it. You know, it's what the business, what's best for the business. And for those people that have kids, think of it like this: like if your son, your daughter, whatever, um, you would do what's best for them, right? So this, I don't have kids, so this is my baby. Diverse Mentality is my baby. I've been growing it for so long, building, building. At 12, I started the website, building, building, doing that. And then finally, I got into YouTube and all that stuff. And now I've gotten into podcasting. So it's growing at a slow rate, but it's still growing. You know, I'm at half a million subscribers on my main channel. And then now the podcast is slowly growing. So this is my baby. This is all I do. This is all I think about. And I'm very, very, very like long-term Person. Like I look long-term and I try to make the best moves possible for long-term purposes. And like, for example, when me and Sean were arguing about uh, NBA Youngboy and Lil Durk, I was thinking Lil Durk long-term. You know, a lot of people that were against me were thinking NBA Youngboy is bigger. And at that time he was, but me, I was thinking long-term. And that's how I always view things. Long-term is, is this going to be good for long-term? And yeah, this has nothing to do with Sean. I'm just saying long-term is how I think. And yeah, I mean, that's, it's my baby. I protect it in any way possible. Um, so yeah, that's, that's all I wanted to say about Sean um, and moving on kind of from the situation. Like I said, uh, I got nothing but love and respect for Sean. I really appreciate the time that he took out to do this. And I hope, you know, you fans can kind of, um, you know, accept what it is and we can move on from the situation. Some people are not going to watch it ever because Sean left, and some people are going to watch it and continue watching it. Either way, I have no hard feelings towards anyone. 
if they decide to leave, if because Sean's not here, that's totally fine with me. I respect that decision. If they decide to stay, I respect that, whatever the case may be. At the end of the day, I appreciate you guys for listening, watching, and all that. So, yeah, I just had felt like I had to obviously address that for the fans and uh, nothing but the best for Sean. Let's get into the crazy, crazy news, man, especially for Possible. This really, really hurt me reading this and kind of going going over the details. Apparently, um, the person who killed Possible, they found out the person who was the trigger man is a 15-year-old boy. Yes, 15 years old. Not to mention that Pop Smoke is only 20, by the way, which is super young. That's a kid in its own. But the a 15-year-old pulled the trigger and killed him. And if you actually look into what the reason was for, it's ridiculous, man. It's over a $2,000 Rolex watch. He sold it for $2,000 after murdering Pop Smoke. Let that sink in. $2,000 watch, guys. $2,000 watch. That guy's life was taken over a fucking watch. Like, man, it just pissed me off reading that. I got really mad because I was like, this is so stupid. It's so materialistic things like that. Like, man, even if you're starving that badly and you're hungry to make money, man, eh, man, just killing somebody for a $2,000 watch. And you, by the way, he's locked up now. He ruined his whole life. And it's going to be interesting to see how they deal with him because he is a kid. He is a... I believe a minor it's in terms of like court terms and all that a minor juvenile he's going to get. Um, I don't know how they're going to move on with him, but there was a 20 year old there who they're mentioning is the the driver in the situation. He had nothing to do with the shooting, nothing to do with. And he actually, his lawyer is saying he actually told him not to kill anybody, just steal whatever they have and let's get out of here. But of, co- of course things didn't go as planned. So let's go over the article. It's pretty long, but um, it's very interesting. So, it says, Pop Smoke was gunned down by a 15-year-old shooter who ambushed the Brooklyn rapper with a group of teens bent on stealing the singer's diamond-studded Rolex, a detective testified Friday. So, mind you, these past, what, past week on Thursday and Friday, they are in court. They're going through a trial. They're presenting evidence, stuff like that. The home intruders were also the rappers. The home intruders were also after the rapper's Cuban link chain, but apparently only, only managed to swipe the luxury timepiece which they later resold for 2000 The teen who pulled the trigger, the youngest of the four defendants, is now facing murder and robbery charges in the case, allegedly admitted his role on the Hollywood Hills slaying during a recorded interview with the cellmate at a juvenile detention center last May. So, in the juvenile detention center, there is a snitch who is recording everything that kid told that guy. So, there's a snitch in that building, and he's working for the police and he got all the details, man. So I'm sure that audio is going to come out. If anything, TMZ is probably going to leak it or something like that. But the audio is going to be out. Um, this is what the detective says. He admitted that he shot the victim three times with a Beretta 9mm. Um, Los Angeles Department Detective Carlos Cambaco testified Friday at a preliminary hearing for a different suspect, Corey Walker, 20, the sole adult defendant in the high-profile case. The 15-year-old defendant admitted that they asked for the jewelry and then had a confrontation with pop smoke that quickly turned deadly, the detective said. They got into a fight, and he shot them, shot him three times, Kameko said, citing the 15-year-old defendant's recorded juvenile detention center interview. He said he shot him in the back. Walker, 20, has pleaded not guilty in the case. His defense lawyer, Christopher Darden, told the New York Daily News on Friday that Walker never even entered the house for the deadly confrontation, though prosecutors have placed him at the scene with the cell phone records and say his infancy was a getaway vehicle. Um, so, first off, one thing that threw me off in this whole article, Christopher Darden, if you guys don't know who that is, that guy was the prosecutor against O.J. Simpson back in 1992, I believe, 1993. I don't know when that, when that trial was around there that time, before I was even born, by the way. Um, and Christopher Darden, you know, was a huge role in kind of, messing up the whole case about OJ Simpson and trying to get him and they didn't manage to get him locked up. But this is weird. This is why it's weird because Christopher Darden is also representing Eric Holder, the person who murdered Nipsey Hussle. He's defending that person, which now I'm not, not blaming this on Christopher Darden, but you know, they need a lawyer for defense and that's just, that's law period. You know, even if the person murdered him, it's clear they still need a lawyer 
But why the fuck is Christopher Darden specifically on these cases? Is he looking for clout? What the hell is going on here? Because now he's defending one of the people that murdered Pop Smoke. Do you have a, like, does this guy have like a hard on on like going against rappers? What is going on here? When I read that, it was Christopher Darden as well. Mind you, now he's with the Nipsey Hussle case, which I don't even know when that case is starting. It's been pushed back so many times because of COVID, and I have no idea when that started. But Christopher Darden is now representing one of the people that killed Pop Smoke and the person that killed Nipsey Hussle. That is weird. I don't know if this guy is clout chasing. He has, like I said, a hard-on for rappers and just getting them locked up or not caring about what happened to them. But when I read that it was Christopher Darden, it threw me off completely. But let's continue the article. Uh, according to Kim Aiko, Walker also confessed his role in the murder during a separate secretly recorded jailhouse interview with a different adult informant placed in his cell after the July arrest. Man, these police got, man, they, they're smart, man. The way they move, they said, yo, we're going to place this specific person in this person's cell, get him tapped up, wired up, let him admit everything. That is crazy, man. They got some crazy tactics. This is insane. So... Um, let's see, uh, my bad. I was, I completely lost to where I was at, but Walker allegedly admitted that the group used ski masks, gloves, and a police scanner as they carried out the home invasion robbery. He said that when the individuals got inside, the suspects confronted pop smoke who was in the shower naked, uh, during his recorded conversation with the cellmate Walker allegedly said the teens inside the home demanded pop smokes jewelry, which was, which he was still wearing and even said, thank you. When it appeared he was compliant, Kameko said. But the rapper apparently decided to fight back and rushed the intruders who pistol whipped him before the 15-year-old suspect shot him in the chest, Kameko said, citing Walker's account of what happened. Now, um, obviously, we've, we've talked about this before, but I would never fight over material things if my life is in danger. I don't know why. I think Pop Smoke just thought there were kids and he could kind of strong arm them and maybe they, they were scared to shoot and... You don't know. I don't know what the situation went down, but something something seems off about this story. I'm not into conspiracy theories, but something, even Pa Smoke's own brother says something is off of this story. I don't know what it is, but something just seems very weird. The people that are testifying and, you know, telling their sides of the stories, I don't know, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I could see Pa Smoke fighting back and trying to get just a you know, a watch back. I really don't think he'd put himself in that predicament. I don't know. I could be wrong, but, um, pistol motor then, uh, Darden objected to the testimony about Walker's interview, calling it hearsay since Walker wasn't inside the house. The judge allowed it though. Pop smoke was fatally shot during the 4 a.m. Home invasion at the rented home in the Hollywood Hills on February 19th, 2020 police testimony in the case started Thursday with two LAPD detectives taking the witness stand give the first public and detailed account of what allegedly happened. Detective Christian Casarco testified Thursday that a woman who was with Pop Smoke in the Renton Homes' second-story bedroom recalled seeing a group of men storm through curtains from a balcony accessible by a backyard staircase. One of them allegedly pressed a black semi-automatic firearm to her forehead and shouted, Shut the fuck up. Do you want to die? She heard a struggle coming from the shower area and heard Mr. Jackson, who was Pop Smoke, run out of the screaming and ran out of the bathroom. And then she heard a loud pop and heard Mr. Jackson fall to the ground. Two other individuals began to kick him. Rachel said, citing the woman's testimony upon hearing her son was kicked. Jackson's mother, Audrey Jackson was visibly upset. So another, this is the same shit that happened. Nipsey also, I don't understand if you shoot somebody, why, you know, continue kicking the person and just adding more, you know, it's like, come on, man, that's just, straight up disrespectful. You clearly have some sort of hate towards this guy to do that. Because normally when people shoot somebody, they just shoot him and either run away or, you know, I don't know. Something about this story just, I don't know, man. Something's not giving me great vibes about this story. Um, obviously his mother was in court here and all this. She was visibly, visibly upset after the kick. And then similarly Friday, Jackson's dad, Greg Jackson let out an audible gasp when he heard the killing was over a $2,000 payday, which was the watch. Um, uh, he was weeks, obviously possible weeks away from finishing his debut studio album. The doctors rushed him to a major surgery called a left thrichotomy, but he suffered a rapid decline and couldn't be saved. His death certificate said, uh, Postmoke had posted images of social media shortly before the shooting, both the rented Airbnb homes address and a large amount of cash. The cash was later still found inside a drawer 
at the rental home, according to Testimony Friday. Um, it was a massive hit, his album, and then it said, if convicted as charged, Walker would be eligible for the death penalty, the Los Angeles County District Attorney said. Um, this story is just, I don't know, to me, it's not making sense. And I do believe that they were going in there just to get the money. I think they were even, they were even shocked that they killed Pop Smoke. That they even had to go that route, because usually when you when when you when you have an intent to rob, you want to get in in and out of there as quickly as possible. You don't want to have any confrontations. You know, uh, if Possmoke was showering, let's just say if I let me put myself in the robber's shoes. If Possmoke, if I found out Possmoke, let's say I go through the behind the back lane, like the balcony like they did, and then I go in, I see the girl there, I put a gun to her, I say, "Shut up." Possmoke doesn't hear anything. He's in the shower. I would ask that girl, where's the money? Where's everything? Let me rob this place. And if he's still in the shower, doesn't hear anything, I'm out of there. But they were saying Possmoke had the jewelry on him while he was showering. So they were probably like, that's the only jewelry that we know about, that we can see visibly. And there you go. But how would they know to go in through the back? That is kind of weird. You know, if you don't know the house, how would you know? Unless they just scoped out the whole house that whole night. And we're like, okay, this is the entry plan. That could have happened. But that's very weird that they went through the back and knew that it was open. That doesn't that doesn't make sense to me, you know. Something out some someone said something because, you know, usually you go through the front, and if you do go through the back, you gotta make sure it's open to go through these both of these areas. So I don't know, man. It just seemed very weird. And then Posmoke's brother even said the story he started speaking out. He said the story does just not make sense. Um he posted on his uh Instagram, he said Something's not right about this case. This info is not matching and people are moving crazy. Bashir, on God, we are getting to the bottom of it. I'm sorry the real wasn't with you. I'm sorry you said guys would shoot back and they didn't. I'm sorry you thought guys would fight for you and they're not even doing that in death. It seems you were more valuable alive. Everybody gets mad when I speak up because it threatens their position in this gang shit. Since you have been away, Pop, people's love have been MIA. And then the caption said, on God, we're going to figure this out, Pop Smoke. I tried to warn you about this gang shit. I should have tried harder. It's not fair how they're doing you, and I'm not allowing people to say they love you without proper recognition to you or the family, period. Um, yeah, so he just feels something's not right with the story. I feel something's not right with the story. I'm not really into conspiracy theories, like I said, but something is, is very off in this story, and I'm sure someone is going to say something that's going to throw this case a totally different way. So I'll keep you guys updated on this The story. When I heard that the 15 year old was responsible for killing him is crazy. Let's go to Rollo, man. Rollo is fighting for clemency and he actually received support from the former Georgia congressman. So as you guys know, Rollo is continuing to push for his freedom amid an ongoing federal marijuana distribution case. He's now received the support of former congressman Kwanzaa Hall and the statement shared with complex Rollo, who's currently serving time for a nonviolent marijuana-related offense, pointed to Hall's history of good trouble and said his support means a lot to him. As he continues to fight for his freedom, Hall notably served as a member of the House of Representatives for Georgia's 5th Congressional District after running for the position in a special election following the death of civil rights activist John Lewis. It's been a hard battle these past few years, and I just want peace, the 1017 recording artist whose real name is Terrell Davis said, once you make your bed, you have to lay in it. And so I accept responsibility for my actions and am ready to move on with my life. I don't want the honorable, I don't want the honorable court to feel like I'm against them. I have renewed myself during my trials and have become a new mature person. I have been introduced to better things in life and learned lessons that I didn't know prior to my arrest. Most of all, it's about growth and becoming wiser as a man. In a letter to President Biden dated April 25th, Hall congratulated the former VP on the first 100 days of his administration while noting there's so much more to be done before urging him to give attention to Rollo's case and consider clemency, which we addressed in previous episodes. Rollo has pleaded guilty, accepted responsibility, and is currently awaiting sentencing, Hall said in the letter, which was shared with Complex. Mr. Davis has been incarcerated since his arrest and faced up to nine years in federal prison. As a longtime advocate for racial equality and justice reform, I truly believe that it is long past to end the war on drugs, particularly with regard to marijuana. 
During your campaign, you promised to decriminalize marijuana, release those who are still in prison for marijuana-related offenses, and expunge the records of those with felony marijuana convictions so that they may go on to live meaningful lives. That's good, man. Definitely, um, I feel Rollo's going to get out of this situation in terms of the mar- marijuana charges. Um, like we've talked about before on here, getting insane nine years, whatever the case may be for marijuana is ridiculous. Even if you're distributing it at a certain amount, it should be like max, you should get three to five years because let's be honest here. It's not that serious of a thing. There are people raping, there are people murdering, there are people doing all kinds of crazy things and they don't get that much time. So hopefully Rollo, since he's getting support from uh, Georgia congressman, then, you know, Joe Biden sees that. And then there you go. He gets out. So shout out to Rollo. Uh, we definitely keep fighting. And I'm ready for the music, man. I'm pretty pretty decent fan of Rollo. So I like I like his route and what he's doing right now. He seems like a different person just based off that statement. And, of course, he signed to Gucci. So I'm sure Gucci, since he was in that situation, dealing with other things and came out a better person, I'm sure Gucci's had that talk with him and was like, yo, sit down, do this, do this, do this, figure it out. And, you know, I'm sure he's he's rehabilitated himself in every way possible. Um, Lil Durk, man. Lil Durk lost a bet to buy Chicago's old block. So we reported a couple episodes ago that Lil Durk was looking to buy Chicago's old block and he lost it. Immediately somebody else bought it. Um, and let me see who exactly. It was a company that... The company that's going to look to re, re... basically redevelop the whole area and it's going to be totally something different. So, Oblock Parkway Gardens will be disbanded and relocated. The post read, Oblock has been sold and best believe it's going to be developed beautifully and completely out of the price range of most current woodland wood lawn residents. This jewel and metro, metro squash facility should have been seen on the writing on the wall. This is about to get interesting and eerily familiar. Can someone say Cabrini or Stateway? I don't know what the hell they're talking about when they say Cabrini or Stateway. I'm not from Chicago or anywhere near there. So... They're probably just going to rehabilitate, like change the whole area, renovate it. And I, unfortunately, those people that can't afford to live there anymore are going to get kicked out and pushed somewhere else. So, yeah, it would have been better, I think, if Dirk or somebody who's been from there purchased it because they probably want to do that. They probably do a better thing, hopefully. But this is not going to be good because then once they move, they're going to go somewhere else and then it's just going to get just as bad. That's not that's not the way to solve these type of situations. It's just kicking people out. Because now they got to move somewhere else and they're just going to bring that same. You got to fix these areas by trying to help as much as you can. And they don't care. They just make the area better. And that happened actually to the first apartments when we came, when I came to America with my family, we got into these apartments for the first time, you know, because we were war, you know, we're refugees. So we're coming to these apartments and it was mainly filled with refugees, people that, you know, just got into America not knowing, you know, how much they're going to make, how to pay this, how to do that. And it was cheap, very cheap to live there. But now, once I go back, when every time I've ever gone back there, all rich people, all rich old people that, you know, it's, it costs like three, 4000 a month just to live there now. Back then it was like only 500 400 or 600 max. So that happens everywhere. It happens everywhere. And I noticed just that was the first apartments we ever lived in. So... Yeah, I think they, they just, yeah, whoever buys it is going to definitely renovate the whole place and then kick all those people out, which is unfortunate. That's a bad way of dealing with things. Kodak Black and Pooh Shiesty, they ended their beef. They had a little beef that we talked about a while ago. It was a stupid beef. It was about the money spread, whoever does that, and who says brr, and all this stupid shit that really didn't matter, man. It wasn't anything serious. So, of course, they're going to end it. I'm glad it didn't escalate something stupid over something so stupid it's starting it over that anyways uh, on friday videos started to surface of kodak black and shiesty meeting up with their respective associates yet instead of turning things violent the two took several pictures together proving that they had resolved their differences so yeah they're on instagram live uh just showing that they're they're cool with each other and they actually dropped a track together let me see if i can find i thought i wrote it down but i didn't let me see, because it didn't drop on specifically Friday. Uh, it dropped, I think, either earlier or a little bit later than Friday. It's called R.I.P. Stick, featuring Pusheisty and Seiko Bob. Seiko Bob. So go ahead and check that out. R.I.P. Stick, Rip Stick, or R.I.P. Stick, one of those two. Um, 
Yeah, I'm glad they ended that. Jay-Z still doing multi-million dollar deals, making more investments. It seems like a lot, I don't know why, I don't know if you guys agree with me on this, but it seems like a lot of Jay-Z's business moves have become a lot more public. Because I don't remember hearing about all these moves that he's making in the past. It's kind of weird to me that everything that Jay-Z's doing right now is in the limelight and people are covering it and there's reports and, you know, I don't know if it's just because of the, you know, everything that he's doing with selling title, selling the, the champagne, you know, all that. Maybe that just led up to all this stuff. So uh, Jay-Z cracks NFT market with multi-million dollar investment. Let's go over the article. It says Jay-Z's quest to be the biggest tycoon hip-hop has ever seen continues through the digital economy's hottest buzz item of the moment. A 51-year-old hip-hop legend's new TV deal is being finalized TechCrunch is reporting that Jay-Z and his Marcy Venture Partners is among several investors who contributed to a $19 million funding round for Bitsky, a startup based in San Francisco that specializes in giving companies NFT branding. Alongside Jay-Z and his other high-profile investors include Rock Nations, Jay Brown, music mogul Troy Carter, Serena Williams, Endeavor CEO Ari Emanuel, Lao and venture firm Edrison Hawassi, I don't know how to pronounce that guy's name, billed as the Shopify for NFTs. Bisky specializes in creating NFT storefronts and has reportedly raised $23.4 million to date. The growing NFT marketplace has become a hotbed for hip-hop talent. A wide range of artists such as Eminem, Jim Jones, Post Malone, Wu-Tang Clan, and more have expanded their merchandise lore and built anticipation for upcoming releases amid the cryptocurrency craze. So... Yeah, Jay-Z just making more business moves. I think he's learning from what Nas is doing because Nas has been killing it when it comes to like future things like cryptocurrency. He has investments in Coinbase. And I wouldn't be surprised if Nas invested in this company as well. So not just Jay-Z, but Nas. And they probably talked about business together and that's what they're probably doing. So let's see where this turns into a $19 million funding round. So that's not saying that Jay-Z invested $19 million into it. That's just the round of funding that was going on. And Probably put a hundred thousand, five hundred thousand million. Who knows what the amount is, but I'm sure it's a good decent amount so you can own a portion of the company. So when it blows up, it sells for a lot. So shout out to Jay Z, always making insane business moves. The game. He went on Twitter and announced his top ten best rappers alive list in order, not including himself. And kind of wanted to go over the list just to see, you know, for 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 game to not include himself first off is respectful because game lyrically is up there. I'm not saying he's the best ever, but he's definitely up there lyrically. He can deliver bars like most rappers can't. So let's not let's not disregard the game in this list, by the way. So this is his list. Number one is Jay-Z. Number two is Nas. Number three is Lil Wayne. Number four is Eminem. Number five is Kendrick. Number six is Snoop Dogg. Number seven is Drake. Number eight is Andre 3000. Number nine is Jake Cole. Number 10 is Lil Baby. And he says, and by the way, I'll go bar for bar with anybody on this list. And I agree, he can. So I have no problem with the first, I don't know, the first five. So Jay-Z, Nas, Lil Wayne, Eminem, Kendrick. That list to me seems fine. Obviously, other people feel different ways. You know, having Eminem at four over, you know, under Lil Wayne, people would probably argue or I don't know. That the first five seem fine to me. Now, Snoop Dogg, I can understand because game is a lot older. He was raised on Snoop Dogg, so that makes sense to me on that end. You have Drake at number seven. Drake is definitely in the top ten of all time now at this point, longevity-wise. There's no arguing that. You know, you had Kendrick at five. We put Kendrick over Drake and Cole, so Kendrick is higher on game's list. And that might be a Compton bias. I don't know, uh, but Kendrick is definitely arguable top ten of all time. Then you got Andre 3000, and this is where I have a problem with the list because Andre 3000, although, you know, uh, there's somebody in the comments always mentions this, although there he's had a kind of solo album. It was a double album, but it was his own section. That still to me doesn't count as a solo. He hasn't had a solo career yet to prove that he is one of the best ever. I feel like you got to hold it on your own too to be that great. I disagree with Andre 3000 being on the list. J. Cole being number nine, that's good. I like J. Cole. Obviously, J. Cole is, to me, delivered a classic with Born Center. I would have him in my top ten. And then Lil Baby being at ten. That's arguable. I think he he kind of went on the limb with that and just 
what's going on right now, what the hype is right now, Lil Baby's obviously killing it. I don't think he's top 10 of all time. That's a long list of artists. Lil Baby is getting there. You can't discredit Lil Baby. When people say he's a mumble rapper, he is not. Go listen to the bigger picture. He can spit conscious bars. He can rap his ass off. Don't dismiss Lil Baby like that. Anybody that dismisses Lil Baby like that isn't listening to Lil Baby at all. They're probably just hearing one song and saying, fuck this guy, he's a mumble rapper. That's not the case. Lil Baby can spit. Don't disrespect him like that. But I don't agree with him being a number 10. That's too early for me. He still has a long ways to go. He's been rapping since 2017. That's what, four years now? Five? You can't put him, and all these other people have been in the game for at least 10 years. All these people on this list. Jay-Z is over 20 years plus. Nas over 20 years plus. Wayne over 20 years plus. Eminem over 20 years plus. Kendrick over 10 years plus, because he's been in the game since what? You could say 2009. Over 10 years plus. Snoop Dogg over 20 years plus. Drake over 10 years plus. Andre 2000 over 20 years plus. J. Cole over 10 years plus. Lil Baby's the only one on this list who's only been in the game for five, max five years. So... That's it. That's the only one I disagree with. Let's see if what, what people, what other people are saying on this, on the Twitter comments, because it was a tweet that he sent out. Curious to see what some people are saying. The top tweet is Lil Baby and Lil Wayne not supposed to be on this list. I disagree. Lil Wayne definitely deserves that. Um, can we stop putting Lil Wayne on this list? This man raps like he has a cotton in his mouth. Nah, Lil Wayne deserves to be on the list. I disagree with people when they say Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne's done a lot. Every damn near 80, 70 to 80% of these artists that are out right now are uh, Lil Wayne's offsprings. Uh, I don't think anyone can go bar for bar with him, but I feel you and I listen. No young thug. We know you can't go bar for bar with him. Okay, that's stripping. Um, Emma's a little high up there, but I'll let y'all rock. Um, little baby, yeah. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of the, the, this this guy's sweet was uh so this is this is your strategy to get little baby to get a little baby feature that's funny as fuck that is a great strategy by the way if he sees that he's like damn the game really fucks me I, I'll hop on his music but yeah a lot of people that are replying to this are disagreeing with little baby being on there and I understand I yeah uh, I'm surprised he doesn't have no Biggie no Tupac that is insane because most people have those on their list. But, I mean, it's game, man. He, you know, you guys know he's bipolar. He's going to switch his list. And me, personally, I don't have a top 10 of all time. It always switches. Number one for me is always 50. That's never going to change ever in my life. Um, but everything else switches around. I've had banks of, like, three sometimes. And then he goes back down to six because he just fucks around, doesn't drop music. And then I've had Eminem at two. Sometimes he goes back down to four. I've had Kendrick at this. And he goes down. It just switches around. Um, but... Yeah, this is, uh, to me, it's a solid list. The only one I disagree with is Andre 2000, little baby. Let me know what you guys think, you know? Let me know. If you guys are watching this on YouTube, let me know in the comments. Let me know what you guys think about this list. Do you agree? Do you disagree? I definitely want to see what you guys say. Isaiah Rashad. So, when T TDE announced that loading screen that everybody was hyped up for, everybody was like, yo, is it SZA? Is that Isaiah? And then mostly people are asking, is it Kendrick Lamar? And obviously it was Isaiah Rashad. He made a comeback. And his story is kind of crazy because if you when I go over the story, you're gonna be like, "Damn, this is why he hasn't been releasing music." He was fighting addiction, so let me go over it. I did an interview with Fader during his cover story. He basically talked about why uh, he didn't release a project since 2016. That's a long time. Um, let me see. Let me go over the actual. I don't want to go over every single thing because it's gonna take forever. Um, during his new cover story interview with the publication, the top dog entertainment artist detailed how his addictive personality resulted in him depleting his bank account. After amassing some money from the success of a 2016 album, The Sun's Tirade, he invited his friends to come live with him in Los Angeles. This led to him getting drunk before noon and finding all their expensive and funding all their expensive habits. And then he said, and then I ended up sleeping on my homie's couch for like four or five months, Isaiah said. It was the quickest fall from grace I could ever imagine. As he tried to pull himself out of the hole and create things and create, things only worsened. Rashad would constantly show up to studio sessions drunk and high to the point other TDE members started referring to him as Bobby Brown. I was really disgruntled, he told the magazine. Instead of just explaining myself, I assumed that people knew. 
or I would just be drunk spazzing and nobody hears that. They just hear that you're drunk. You know they called me Bobby Brown. That shit hurt the fuck out of my feelings. That's the worst type of vibe ever. After wrecking his car and realizing how close he was to broke, he moved back to his mother's home in Chattanooga, Tennessee, despite to having to critically acclaimed full-length projects. TDE founder Top Dog ordered Rashad back to Los Angeles in hopes that working would help him recover. Yet Rashad grew so uninspired that he was forced to, to tell Top about his drinking habit and financial woes. If I drink a small amount quantity of alcohol, I could find myself going back to the store like a zombie for more, he explained to Fader. It's some shit that a lot of people don't understand. A lot of people think it's a game. I didn't know how strong alcoholism, alcoholism is either, but you really can't fuck around with that shit if you know that you can have it in the family. So, battling addiction is definitely a problem. It could ruin your life. It's ruined lots of people's lives. And here, here's the thing that I, I really give respect to Top Doc for doing because he could have just been like, yo, this guy's not working. He's fucking off everything. Let me just write him as a tax write-off and drop him from the label and let him do whatever he wants to do. Instead, he pulled him, forced him. By the way, let me go over the article, but he forces him to go to rehab and fix everything that's going on. So to, uh, Top immediately checked Rasad into rehab. There, Isaiah... Why am I fucking up butchering this guy? Isaiah Rasad made genuine connections with other people in recovery, even though he was trying to keep his identity a secret. Soon, the children of other patients and employees started to recognize Rashad and would even try to sneak autographs for their loved ones. When their kids came to visit, I was like, why is this fucking child looking at me so weird? Rashad jokingly recalled. The very next day, all the nurses were sneaking autographs for their kids from me. That was weird. Rashad came out of rehab, inspired, who's able to record his upcoming album, The House is Burning, while maintaining California Sober. Rashad released the first single, from the house is burning called Lay With Ya featuring Duke Deuce on Friday, which is a very dope track. I'm very looking forward to his album. That's a dope title too, The House is Burning. That symbolizes what he's been basically going through. So, yeah, but much respect to Top. He could have easily been like, yo, this is a tax write-off. Fuck this guy. He's fucking up everything. Let me try and help him out. Took him to rehab. Fixed the situation. Now he's back on track to release his next album. And that's a good feeling, man. That's a good feeling to do that to people. It shows what kind of heart you have. And it's not just about, you know, hey, business, business, business. It's about trying to fix something and growing with your artists and individuals around you. So shout out to Top. Shout out to Isaiah Rasad. Hopefully the album's fire, which I think it's going to be. Billboard Hot 100. Let's talk about the update list of what artists are at right now. This is crazy. The Weeknd and Ariana Grande Save Your Tears. Now, the original Save Your Tears didn't feature Ariana Grande. They did a remix, and it went skyrocketed to number one. And because of this number one, The Weeknd has broken a record that's never been broken before, and it's having three number one hits on the same album and three different years. So that's how long this album's been going. Three different years. That's 2019, 2020, 2021, having a number one each year from the same album. That's hard to do. And that's the testament of streaming era. Streaming can change all, you know, how long you even last with an album nowadays because TikTok too helps it and stuff like that. Social media. And then Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack leave the door open as a number two. Peaches with Justin Bieber, Daniel Caesar is at number three. Rap Star went from number one to number four. So it stayed number one two weeks on the charts. Now went back to number four. Uh, Levitating with Dua Lipa and DaBaby is at number five. It stayed at number five. Kiss Me More with Doja Cat and SZA is at number six now. It was at number eight last week. Lil Nas with Montario is at number seven. It's dropping down from four to seven. Masked Wolf, Astronaut in the Ocean is at number eight. It went from seven to eight. Up, Cardi B, like this is another example. Again, Cardi B's up, only stayed at number one for one week. It's down now to number nine. Uh, driver's license, Olivia. We've mentioned that blinding lights by the weekend. It went from it's going up now. It went from thirteen to eleven. So I don't know what the hell's going on with the weekend, but this guy's got hits on hits on hits. Olivia Deja Vu is a number twelve. Went from eleven to twelve. Beatbox, spot him, got him. Now there's more beatbox freestyles coming out. I don't know how many this guy's gonna have with other rappers jumping on, but it's helping the track. It went from number fourteen now to number thirteen. So right now it's at number thirteen. Probably gonna reach the top ten soon. It peaked at number twelve. So. Uh, calling my phone, Low TJ in Black went from number sixteen to now fourteen. 
on me with little baby i've been actually bumping this track a lot more when it first came out i didn't really like it but this track's at number 15 it went from 32 to 15 so something boosted this track i'm assuming it might be tiktok that's the only thing i can point to at the time um let's go over let's see where where uh where drake those drake records are at because drake's what's next is down again at number it was 28 last week now it's at 30 let's see if he has those those other tracks on there uh, let's see. Pop Smoke is still all over these charts, by the way. Moneybag Yo is killing it right now all over these charts. Let's see if we can find more Drake records. Those Drake, those three that skyrocketed at number three. I mean, number one, two, and three. Uh, nope. No more. Yeah, the only track that's up there is What's Next. Even the little baby one fell off. So... There you go, guys. This is why I don't care about a track being number one for one week. It doesn't usually last. And if it does, then that's actually a hit. So, yeah, that's it for the updates. Um, new music, man. There's a lot of new music that came out. A lot of new music. A lot, 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 lot. So I'm probably going to miss some things, but forgive me. Let's go over the albums. 2C Drop, Thank You for Believing. His debut album, I believe. Very great album. Let me look at the track list again just so I don't forget. Uh, tracks that I that I really really liked off it. Cause I heard I heard more than half of it. I didn't listen to the full thing. There's a lot of music that came out. And I kind of got stuck on certain albums and tracks. Uh, the track with Lil Baby Shop. I mean, not Lil Baby. Dub Baby Shop is dope. Um, it has 13 tracks. I think it was Greater Storm. That was one of the tracks I really liked. Be cautious. But yeah, 13 tracks. Two C. Great. Great debut album. What else? Let's see here for albums. T Grizzly came out with Built for Whatever. And man, I've been stuck on the track that features YNW Melly because YNW Melly is so fucking talented. It's unfortunate the situation he's in. And if he actually did that, then obviously keep him locked up. But the track is called Careless. It's number five on the album. Bump that. Please, you'll love it. It's my favorite track off this project. I was listening to the track with uh, White Lowe's off Designer, Lil Durk. That was pretty good. He has King Vaughn on here, Not Gonna Play, which is a dope track. Um, yeah, some of these tracks I'm a fan of, but the, the album's very long. It's 19 tracks. So I didn't listen to all 19. I probably stopped. I believe I stopped halfway through on this one as well just because I was stuck on, you know, that YNW Melly track. Once I hear a good track, I just kind of stuck on it for a while, and it, by the time I get past it, it's like it takes a little while, so... But yeah, check out that track, Careless, YNW Melly. That's the track that you should definitely see. I'm looking right now, my bad. I'm looking out the window, and I'm seeing this lady taking a photo of my car, which is weird. I, I'm sorry, guys. I was distracted for a quick second. But yeah, I was like, what the hell is she doing? But yeah. Um, Quando Rondo dropped his album, Still Taking Risks, by the way. And Quando, no, I, I wasn't really paying attention to Quando Rondo uh, until the shooting happened. Unfortunately, that's what kind of put my eyes on him. And he makes some great music, you know. Um, initially, when I first heard him, we, we, me and Sean were talking about how he sounds a little bit like NBA Youngboy, and then now he doesn't. He doesn't really sound like NBA Youngboy. He sounds like his own person. So on this album, what I like is Red Eye, Devil on My Shoulder, Okay, Angel Wings, No More, Soul Reaper. I've listened to most of this album. It's a long album, by the way. It's 18 tracks. So I don't know if this is, let me see. Quando Rondo, make sure. Uh, yeah, so it just, yeah, it's a great album. I was making sure of the track list because there's some bonus ones on here. I, don't, I didn't want this to be the deluxe version, and I accidentally, this album came out a while ago, and I mess up. But, yeah, it's new. I, I figured it was new. Uh, Lil Tecca dropped his single. Shout out to Lil Tecca. If you haven't checked out his music, he's dope. Single called Never Left, which was dope. Trippy Red and Playboy Cardi dropped a single called Miss the Rage, which I haven't checked out yet. Sweetie dropped a track called Fast Motion. Young M.A. dropped a track called Hello Baby featuring Fabio Foreign. Of course, Isaiah Rasad dropped the Lay Witcher featuring Duke Deuce, which I really enjoyed as well. MF Doom uh, dropped a collab album with Scar Zarface. I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name. It's C-S-Z-A-R Face. It's called Super What collab album this is the first posthumous release relating to mf doom because he passed away on october 31st 2020 so 
first posthumous release. I haven't checked that out either, but I need to check that out. And then, obviously, as you guys know, J. Cole dropped an interlude track. And I was going crazy when I heard it because I love the sound that J. Cole is doing. He's like, he's messing around with singing because I know back then he would just feature an artist that sings because he was like, I can't sing. But on this interlude track, it seemed like he's trying to mess around with melodies and it's actually working. It's sounding really good to me. The interlude is fire. I love the way he ends it. Uh, Christ died at 33. So did Nipsey. So did Pimp C. Um, it's a good interlude, man. It's a good, good introduction to the album. I'm glad he released this. And people are arguing, yo, if this track skyrockets to number one, debuts at number one, uh, it's going to be the first time an interlude ever debuted at number one, which is cool. But like I said, it doesn't matter. It's only going to be there for a week. And then after that, it's going to fall off. It's just hype. I don't care if a track goes at number one for one week. Like I said that millions of times. Who gives a shit if it goes number one? That's cool, but it doesn't really mean anything. I think Billboard should have a rule of that. If I was part of Billboard, I'd be like, listen, this is just hype for right now. Let's see if this actually lasts. And it won't because it's a fucking interlude. It shouldn't. An interlude should not go number one. It just doesn't make any sense to me. But the track is dope. Production is dope. Delivery is dope. I can't wait for the off-season album. I'm hyped like crazy. I might even do a reaction videos to it on a different channel because I have my own personal channel called Quake. I might do that. Let me know what you guys think if I do a reaction video. I kind of want to react to it because my reaction on this track was crazy. So I'm really curious to see where this album's, how it's going to sound. And I kind of like the theme of this album, man. It's just like kind of predicting you're going to fall off, you know, which is a bad thing to say, you know, hey, I'm about to fall off. But I think J. Cole is just coming to the terms with that like, hey, I'm probably going to fall off, and that's totally fine. I've had my run. I've done when I've whatever I've wanted to do. Like he says on this track, I've been to the highest of heights twice. You know, I've been to the lowest of lows, and still I rose. So, you know, I like that theme, you know, the off-season and then the fall-off. That's to me, sounds dope. The concept of it is dope. The, uh, the basketball court burning, you know, from him starting with the basketball to the court burning, whatever, the hoop burning. Eh, you know, it's... It's interesting. It's very interesting, and I'm, I'm, I can't wait for this album to come out. Personally, now, what do I think about Kendrick, Cole, and Drake dropping, you know, either in the same month or around the same time? Like I said before, it's perfect for hip-hop. Sales are going to be up the roof. Competition is going to be dope. I feel like they should all drop on the same day, but that's not going to happen, clearly. I think Drake is the last one that's going to drop. He's waiting to see with Cole and Kendrick. Let them have their time and their season, and then Drake's going to come in because Drake, you know, he's had every year he's had something come out. So I'm sure fans are like, man, shut up. Let us enjoy, you know, Kendrick and Cole, and then we'll listen to you because Cole hasn't dropped since 2018, and Kendrick hasn't dropped since 2017. I think the crazy dynamic between all three of them is very great for hip-hop. Who's going to do the best numbers? Personally, I think it's going to be Drake, but, and this is a huge but, if Drake, Drake that first week is going to do great, like he always does, because there's hype. Every time Drake drops, I don't care if you love him or hate him, there is hype behind Drake. So that first week, he's going to do great. But I predict, this is my prediction, that Kendrick or Cole, in the long term with their albums, is going to do better than Drake's. I could be wrong. Certified Lover Boy might be the best album Drake has ever dropped. I don't know. But that's my prediction. I feel like Drake's going to be the last one to be releasing. And then his album is going to be hype for that first week. And then people are going to be like, you know what? I'm kind of tired of Drake. And it's slowly, he's going to slowly not fall off, but slowly just people are going to be like, you know what? I've heard this. I've heard the same Drake. Just, you know, when you have somebody in your face 24-7, you start to not appreciate them as much. Like, everybody's more hype for Kendrick and Cole than Drake right now. That's literally right now. Cole is about to come out next week. He's going to do crazy numbers. I don't know what the prediction is going to be. I predict half a million first week. I might be wrong, but I predict half a million first week easily. Easily. If he doesn't do half a million first week, y'all some haters. You guys need to, I don't know. I sound like a country person. Y'all some haters, but you know what I mean, man. I think the support for Cole, the anticipation for him, Kendrick, the anticipation, the sales are going to reflect that. And it's beautiful for hip-hop, man. This is what we need. We need years where it's just like boom, boom, boom. And, yeah, I'm excited. I, I'm, 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 I'm patiently waiting. Interlude's dope. I would, ah, man, I just hope Kendrick would release something, man. I hope 
Kendrick just drops a track out of nowhere, man. Do it. Do it for the culture, man. Don't do it when Cole drops his album, though. Actually, do it when Cole drops his album, Kendrick. Drop a single. Slap the shit out of everybody. You know, be like, yo, I got something coming, too. Don't, don't worry about Drake and Cole. I got some shit cooking up, too, man. So, I'm curious because I don't know if this Cole album is going to have features. And I'm curious on what route Kendrick's going to take. Is he going to put features on there? Um, he was closer to Nipsey, so I'm sure there's going to be a track with Nipsey on there. I wouldn't be surprised if Nipsey's featured on a track. I'm predicting that for sure because the bond that they had, they already worked on music together, and they had a great bond together. So, yeah, let me know what you guys think. Whose album are you most anticipated for? What do you guys expect in terms of first week sales? I'm expecting half a milli first week easily. So that's it for today's episode of the Diverse Mentality Podcast. And number 47, man. Let me know what you guys think um, of the podcast by myself. I'm definitely not going to have a co-host anytime soon. I'm probably never going to have a co-host. So you guys are kind of just kind of have to deal with me. <laughs> and then whenever a random artist or person comes on, I feel like I want to have them on. They'll be here. We'll have a great conversation. It'll be an interview. It'll be a conversation. Just kind of like how Joe Rogan does it. You know, he brings on random people. But me, I'm going to do it by myself. And I'm going to bring on random people. Because the show has to go on regardless. So let me know what you guys think. Um, I'm definitely, like I said, no co-host for a while. I probably won't ever have a co-host. If I do have a co-host, I'm going to have to run into somebody special and it just clicks on all cylinders and there you go. I bring them on as a co-host. But for right now, I like doing it on my own. I like the stream of consciousness where I don't get interrupted in any way and I just kind of get to get my thoughts off. And that's no shots at, that's no shots at Sean either when I say that. I'm not saying he interrupted me and it was bad. Not that, I'm just saying, like, I can just say what I want to say, and it's like, you know, it just, I don't get lost in the train of thought. That's all it is. Um, so, yeah, let me know what you guys think of the podcast, the new form, and I'm going to add in more things. I'm going to get you fans involved in live chats. Like, I'm going to have, I'm not going to have the podcast be live, but I'm going to have um, a call-in line where I'll say, hey, at this time, you guys can call in. I'll have the cameras recording. It won't be live for everybody, but whoever wants to call in, if I move into a topic, You'll be able to call in. We'll be able to have like a discussion about the topic. And then I'll, you know, end the line and probably bring on a different topic. I want to do that with you guys. Definitely bring you guys in on the show. Just discuss things. You know, that's that's another way to have guests without having, you know, a consistent guest on the show. So, yeah, let me know what you guys think. Uh, thank you guys for listening to the episode. I hope you guys have an amazing day. If you're listening to this night, day, evening, whatever the case may be. Episode 47, stream us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, all those beautiful platforms. Uh, new episodes every Monday and Thursday. New video episodes on YouTube every Tuesday and Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. Appreciate you guys for listening and have an amazing day. Peace.